Sit back and listen and enjoy my podcast about health, wellness, fitness, yoga, business, and life. I talk about everything from ways of eating healthy, mindfulness, yoga, working out, manifesting, to pop culture, momming, adulting. I try to have fun and laugh at myself along the way of my sometimes stressed out and frazzled life. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan. I have a disclaimer for today's episode. If you have little ones around and you are listening to this, maybe pop in um, earbuds or headphones. We dropped some F-bombs and there are some swear words in here. You might not want little kids to hear if you're driving, listening to this in your car, or little kids are around. Thanks. Welcome back, Fit, Fun, and Frazzled listeners. This is episode 137. I'm your host, Nikki Lanigan. I want to first start off by a book I recently read, and I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's called The Sugar Jar, and it's seriously so good. Let me just do a little synopsis of it real quick, the summary. Um, so imagine a glass jar filled with sugar on the kitchen counter, and you are the jar, and the sugar is your energy. If the jar has no lid, people can come in and take as much sugar as they want. Sometimes they spill the sugar all over the place. You may try to refill your sugar jar and replenish your energy through self-care, meditation, working out, whatever, whatever self-care you do. You might think you are filling your cup up. You're putting on your oxygen mask first and doing all of the things, but because you do not have a lid on your sugar jar, no protection and no boundaries, you can't control how much of your energy and life force is being drained. And then you are left feeling depleted. So the sugar jar is a metaphor and it's a powerful teaching tool that Yasmin um, Chayanne has successfully used for her clients. And she's the author of this book. So I highly recommend this book. Um, some questions to ask yourself. Do I offer my sugar because I genuinely want to do so or and I want to give away my sugar? Or do I often give away my sugar because this is what I do to be seen? This is what I do to feel loved, to have people like me, to feel like I have to do or you feel like you have to do so. Um, You have to do this because no one gets mad at you or thinks badly of you or judges you. Um, Or maybe you just, you know, have really sucky boundaries and you need practice to keep that lid on. So does everyone have access to you? Do you feel exhausted, burnt out, or resentful? Then seriously get this book. I am not being um, compensated for advertising. I just really think everybody that feels this way uh, should read this book. Another thing, so, and my guest today, it ties in with boundaries. Um, She's amazing. I'll talk about her in a second, but another thing, Sakara, sakara sakara.com website. Go to it, sign up for a meal plan. It's organic, gluten-free, refined, sugar-free. You can get 
two-day meal delivery, already prepared, done-for-you meals, two-day, three-day, five-day. You can have a subscription, get it weekly, take care of the guesswork to preparing healthy meals. Or if you're really busy like me and you're going to all of the things in the evening with your kids and running around, this is such an easy way to eat healthy and nutritious food. They also have supplements. They have probiotics. They have... Um, a greens and protein powder mix. It's really good. Then they also have a metabolism powder mix. It's so good. You could put it in your coffee. You could put it in your smoothies. You could bake with it. It's really good. So head to sakara.com and at the checkout, put in my discount code for 20% off your first purchase. And my discount code is all caps, XO, Nikki, that is N-I-K-K-I, wellness. All this will be in the show notes. And now about my guest today. Her name is Kristen King, and she is a sweary life and business coach for women and femme follics who want to give fewer fucks. Her clients are sick and tired of having to be so freaking perfect all the time, and Kristen helps them reclaim their fucks so they can use them for the shit they actually really care about. Instead of spending all their time trying to be good girls and living up to other people's expectations, she's on a mission to help 10,000 women fall in love with themselves and their lives in the next five years. In addition to being a coach, Kristen is also a mental health and wellness facilitator who loves helping people find compassion and connection with themselves as they learn to hold space for their own emotions. Her specialties are perfectionism, people-pleasing, anxiety, overwhelm, and burning down the motherfucking patriarchy one reclaimed fuck at a time. You can find Kristen online. Her website is Kristen, that is K-R-I-S-T-E-N, King, K-I-N-G.com. All this again will be in my show notes. Facebook, Kristen, S-K-O-V-E, King, and Instagram, Kristen, S-K-O-V-E, King, Twitter, and she also has LinkedIn. I'm going to put this all in my show notes. On today's episode, we're going to talk about boundaries, how Kristen discovered the magic of boundaries, how she started listening to the fuck yes instead of the fuck no's. We're going to talk also about quiet quitting and ties it right back into boundaries. Hope you enjoy this episode. If you like it, please leave a rating and review and share it with someone else that you think will enjoy. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Kristen King. Hello, Kristen. How are you doing? Hello. I am good, Nikki. I'm so excited. We're finally able to do this. I know. Me too. Thank you for coming on. I let's just get started. Can you tell the listeners who you are and how you started what you do? Yeah, let's just jump right in. <laughs> let's do it. Um, my name is Kristen King. I am the give fewer fucks coach for women who want to get their energy, time and attention back in life and in business. And I help my clients get out of perfectionism and people pleasing and burnout and overwhelm. So they can actually live a life that's about them that they enjoy instead of being like ground into the earth by other people's needs and expectations. And I got started in that because I was the one getting ground down and stuck on the Mm -hmm. hamster wheel for a really long time. 
because I was giving all of my energy away to satisfying other people and doing what other people needed instead of doing stuff for myself. And it was killing me. Like I was sick. I was miserable. Um, it was just, it was not, it was not a good scenario. And I said, I can't keep doing this. And when I started to make some significant changes in my life, it changed stuff in my job, my marriage, my parenting, like all kinds of things. It was astonishing to me how much better I felt. And I was like, mm-hmm. I have got to help other people do this too. And so that's how I, I landed on this particular focus area because it was such a big deal and so impactful for me. What was like the first step you took to start not giving a fuck anymore? Oh, that's such a good question. I feel like there, there were so many little ones that accumulated. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one, one of the big things that I remember is that when I had first started my corporate job that I, uh, that I left in 2021, I was very responsive to people all the time because I really wanted them to think I was like a good employee and it was a good yeah. decision and I was super competent and I trained them <laughs> to expect me to respond like instantly 24 hours a day, no matter what was going on and to like always like drop what I was doing to take care of other people's stuff. And I realized like years ago, this was like one of the first places I started to kind of fake a claim and like draw a line in the sand. I realized that like that was stressing me out so much. It wasn't good for anybody and I needed to do something about it. And so the first step was ignoring emails until it Mm -hmm. was convenient for me to respond to them. And just that like one little thing started a cascade of other decisions, places where I said no, places where I said, I wish I could, but I'm just not available or places where I said, I'm going to let you handle that because that's not my responsibility. Um, And I think that was, that was really the thing that like got the ball rolling. And that was when I started to understand what it really meant to like have boundaries around time and and energy and what I was willing to do. And so I I think that was the the big, the big starting incident. Um, And then the thing that sort of pushed me over into leaving my corporate job and doing life coaching full time was in September, 2021, I was walking past the top of the stairs in my house on my way to my home office was like a 17 second commute from my bedroom. And (laughs) I remember looking longingly at the staircase and saying like, I wish I would just fall down the stairs and die in a freak stair related accident. Wouldn't that be amazing? And then I didn't have to do this anymore. And I was like, that's not normal. That's not a normal thing for people to think when they're like getting ready to sit down at their desk. And so that was like a Thursday and it was a holiday weekend. And when we came back to work that Tuesday was when I put in my notice. That was like, look, this is a great job, yeah. but it's not, it's not great for me anymore. I need to go do something else. I can't just do this because other people want me to. Oh, yeah. I know. I feel like, do you see um, any of your clients, not just like boundaries with work, but like boundaries at home too, with like our loved ones. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm good with work, but at home, it's just like a free for all and they know it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A a ton of my clients have that situation on some level. Mm -hmm. Um, basically if they have kids, they're figuring that out too, right? Like there's, there's so much. And the huge part of it is that we have all these cultural expectations for how women are supposed to be, what mothers are supposed to be like, what wives are supposed to be like. And we've been like culturally conditioned to be good girls 
And so we're supposed mm-hmm. to be like self-sacrificing and we're supposed to do everything. And like, yeah, I guess we like can have a job, but only if we can mom, like we don't have a job and the house is clean and dinner's on the table every night. I know your folks can't see me right now, but I'm being like very dramatic and sarcastic (laughs) with my body movements. Um, It's kind of like Cinderella going to the ball. Like, yeah, you can go to the ball if you get all your chores done, Cinderella, but then like they make sure that doesn't actually happen. Now our, our partners and our kids aren't doing that on purpose, but it's, that's kind of like the cultural setup that we're stuck in. And so like, if there's a mess, like we have pressure to clean it up. If there's Mm -hmm. like a phone call that needs to be made or whatever, we, you know, we have pressure to be responsible for those things. And that just doesn't work very well. It just doesn't work very well because there's lots of other people who live in your home and you are not responsible for all of them. You have certain responsibilities that you signed up for, but like, Mm -hmm. you're not like a zookeeper. It's not like you do not have to be solely (laughs) responsible for their care and feeding. Right. So, so making some decisions about what you're actually going to be available for with your kids, with your partner, with your extended family is really, really important. And one of the places that I often have my clients start is with the dishes or with Mm -hmm. the laundry. Like if you are, if you have cooked dinner and you don't want to do the dishes, then you need to let your partner know. And then, or your kids or whoever you're going to delegate that to or ask to take it on. And then you need to stay out of it. Because a lot of times what will happen is they'll say, look, I cooked dinner. I'm not going to do the dishes tonight. But then it's like 830 and no one else has done the dishes. And they're like, I can't believe no one else has done the dishes. And then they start doing it. Not, you know, with, with no awareness or care that perhaps it was going to happen later. And maybe Mm -hmm. if you tell someone you're not going to do it, you should then not do it. So they believe you. Um, And it sort of perpetuates the cycle, right? So we got to decide what we're not. That is literally me. (laughs) Yeah. You got to cut that shit out. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because if you don't want to do it, then you need to not do it. Because otherwise, Mm -hmm. if you say, I'm not going to do this, and then you do it, you're training them that when you say that thing, you do it anyway. Do it. Yeah. Right. So like, this Mm -hmm. is one of those places where like, we teach people how to treat us, but we teach them how to treat us by how we treat ourselves. And we treat ourselves like our word doesn't matter. And like what Mm -hmm. we say doesn't need to be taken seriously. And then they're like, oh, okay. They're just like trying to do it right. They're just trying to go along with us. So we need to make it easier for them by being clear. Yeah, that just makes sense. I don't know why females do that a lot. (laughs) Um, We're trained that way from birth, right? And like, if Mm -hmm. you don't, like we're like, that's how kids are encouraged to play. That's the positive and negative reinforcement we get. Like, oh, you're such a big helper for mommy. Right. And like, we, you know, Mm -hmm. we like really, this is just how, how it works here. This is just how we teach people to be in the world. So it's not your fault. Like, Mm -hmm. but, and like, this is the system you've, you've been operating in and fish don't know they're wet, but once we like see it, then we get to do something about it. Yeah, it's true. Um, so you talk about also, um, like perfectionist, how Mm -hmm. do you help your clients with that? Like perfectionism and like people pleasing. They're all like part of the same thing. And boundaries is really the cure to like all of this stuff. Right. So when we're experiencing perfectionism, I, well, let me pause for a second. Not everyone Mm -hmm. considers themselves a perfectionist. I consider myself a perfectionist, but that doesn't necessarily like not everyone wants to take on that identity, but all of us experience 
experience perfectionism sometimes, mm-hmm. even if we don't think we're perfectionists, right? So I, that's why I'm using that language. Um, yeah. But so, so when we're experiencing perfectionism, we're holding either ourselves or other people to unnecessarily high standards. So like, this is sort of a silly example. Hopefully this will never happen for you. But like, if you come across someone who's bleeding on the side of the road and you're like, oh my God, I can't help this person. I can't apply pressure to the wound because I don't have sterile gauze. Mm-hmm. That person's going to die. That's a place where like the McDonald's napkins in your glove box is perfectly adequate to get the job done for the moment. So if we have like A plus standards where nothing will do, but the A plus, we're going to watch this person bleed out on the side of the road. And we do this to ourselves a lot of the time. We'll say things Mm -hmm. like, I can't rest until the whole house is clean. I can't rest until my to-do list is complete. I can't rest until I have earned it somehow. Mm -hmm. I have to be productive enough, good enough, whatever. And that is all just perfectionist thinking. And it's tied up in people pleasing because those things feel really important because it's going to make other people think we're good enough. It's going to make other people think we're valuable. It's going to make other people have certain thoughts about us that we want them to have. And we'll, we'll often say like, oh, I'm just so nice. I have to do everything for everybody. I just, I just can't say no. I'm just so nice. If you like feel moved to do that stuff from the goodness Mm -hmm. of your heart, like have at it. But most of the time, if you tell yourself the truth, you're doing it to manipulate the other person into feeling some kind of way about you. And then when it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. you get mad at them. Right. And so Mm -hmm. the perfectionism has us trying to do everything. And then the the people pleasing has us trying to say, see, look how I did everything. Aren't I wonderful? Don't you agree? Maybe you'll do something too, even though I'm not going to ask you for it. Right. And, and we get caught up in this. And it's so much of the time because we're outsourcing how we feel and like how we react to things to other people and boundaries is what stops that in its tracks. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I was recently talking to a friend and we were talking about how we feel like we can't just sit and relax because it's like, quote unquote, we feel lazy and it's just, it's so weird. Like I don't, know how we just got that way. And I mean, like you said before, it's just like how we were raised, but my husband gets home from work and he sits on the couch and watches TV and doesn't like think anything of it. Um, mm-hmm. If I were to sit on the couch and it's happened, be- it's happened before I've sat on the couch, um, that came out wrong, but um, my <laughs> kids are like, what's wrong? You know, it's just like, <laughs> it's weird. Cause you, cause yeah. you've trained them to expect that you're always going to be moving, doing things, being productive with giant air quotes, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so it's weird for them when you're not doing that. But I'm looking around my office right now because there's a book I want to show you and I want to see if I can get my hands on it quickly. Um, It's called Laziness Does Not Exist. And it is one of, gosh, where is it? I guess it's not on my shelf. I must've put it on the other bookshelf. Um, But it's called Laziness Does Not Exist. And it sort of traces this like toxic productivity culture back to like Puritan times and how Mm -hmm. we inherited all of these really fucked up expectations about how humans are supposed to exist. And it's like really not a thing. Um, So uh, when I send you like stuff for the show notes, I'll send you a link for that book because it's absolutely brilliant. You need to read it. 
Okay. And so does everyone who related to that share, like everybody who yeah. read it. So good um, and very well written. So it's like an easy read, but like, yeah, we have this, um, this, this training around like what we produce, what we do, our work is the thing that makes us valuable. Like work equals worth. And so mm-hmm. if we're not working, if we're not doing something for other people all the time, we're like a lazy piece of shit. And yeah. that's, I mean, that's an option. You can certainly live that way, but it feels horrible. Mm -hmm. And it disproportionately affects women because women's work traditionally is like less clearly defined with fewer start and stop points than men's work. And so men's work traditionally, as we've been trained, is like from sunup to sundown. And once they're done doing whatever, then they don't have to do anything at all. Whereas yeah. women's work is from sunup to sunup, right? Like it's, you know, it's the food, it's the laundry, it's the childcare, it's the housekeeping, it's the, you know, picking the vegetables from the garden. It's all of mm-hmm. these things and it doesn't have like a clear start and end point. And so it's even harder for women who have like been brought up in this culture to be comfortable with that, like sit down at the end of the day, not have to be fiddling around, finishing everything up for everybody else. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, so I was reading all your, all of your blogs, you have written really amazing ones, but one that really stuck out and I would like to talk about it and discuss it is it's not quiet quitting it's boundaries, kind of what we've been talking about. Um, Mm -hmm. but your quote, um, you're not required to drown yourself. So someone else can meet their arbitrary strategic targets you know what we really need loud quitting because fuck this that's like just amazing but um yeah so when did the quiet quitting um thing come out was it last year yeah it was last year it was like in the summer (laughs) and fall and I had a couple of really interesting conversations on Facebook with people about this. And that was what like prompted me to write that blog post. And I need to like make a graphic with the quote that you just read, because mm-hmm. as you're reading it, I'm like, fuck yeah, that lady's a genius and it's me. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but what, um, what we're seeing as we're coming out of the pandemic is that um, the, the work culture has really shifted. And because many, many people were in a a position in a situation with their company, their role, whatever, where they had been working remotely for quite a long time at this point because of the pandemic and doing just fine and getting everything done. They don't want to go back to the way Mm -hmm. things were, right? The like 40 to 80 hour work week where we got to like schlep a long distance both ways. And then we got to come back home and do all this house shit because that's our job too. Like nobody likes that. That's not good. That's not like designed for human thriving. It's designed for like capitalist productivity, but that's not what helps humans be healthy and have these, you know, balanced lives. And so I think that um, there's a couple of things that happen, like the emergence of effective remote work during the pandemic really opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact that the way that we've been doing it is not the only way that it can be done. And the other ways that are available are a lot healthier, more satisfying, less stressful. They're just better for people. Mm -hmm. So folks want to keep doing it that way. And the other thing that we're really seeing throughout the pandemic, and as we've been kind of going through like ups and downs in the economy with all of that and businesses closing and new ones opening, yada, 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 um, is that 
businesses are having a harder time hiring and keeping employees. And so a lot of the folks who are still employed, who are still there are ending up having to pick up extra things. Yeah. And this is not something that's new since the pandemic. Like there's always been places where like, if there was a shortage, like work would get spread around, whatever, to a certain extent that's normal and appropriate. But what's been happening, especially in the last couple of years is that positions are simply not getting refilled and the work is being distributed to people who already have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And in times when they were really desperate to, you know, to keep their job, they were doing the same thing I was doing when I started my corporate job where they're being very accommodating and like, yes, yes, we'll get that taken care of. But over time that causes burnout. And so yeah. they're getting burned out and they have all this extra shit to do. That's not even their job. Right. And yeah. so people are starting to just not do that stuff. They're not making a fuss. They're, they're just not doing things that are not their actual job. And that's great for those individuals, but for the business owners, they're like, well, fuck, like there's stuff that needs to get done. And now I need to hire more people to do it. I don't want to. And it's my employees fault for Mm -hmm. not doing the things that I asked them to do those selfish bastards. Right. And so the people who benefit from like unpaid and underpaid labor are the people who are in charge whose pockets are lined by the unpaid and underpaid labor of others. And they'll start to say things like, you know, like the term quiet quitting has emerged from that. Mm -hmm. And they'll start to say things like nobody wants to work anymore. And, you know, blah, 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 like blaming the worker. But here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Lots of people want to work. Humans have a drive to work. It's it's a huge thing that gives us a sense of purpose and connection to the community. We deeply want to, but we don't want to do it in a job that's going to, slowly kill us, crush our spirits, mm-hmm. suck the life out of us and not even compensate us appropriately. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, this is, this is an issue of like appropriate work distribution. It's an issue of appropriate compensation. It's an issue of appropriate workplace culture. And it's an issue of just what humans need to exist. And mm-hmm. folks just don't want to live like this anymore. And so they're saying, Hey, I'm not available for that. I'm available for this thing that I signed up for. That's what I'm available for. The thing that you hired me for that we agreed on that I said, yes, this Mm -hmm. is appropriate conversation. That's what I'm going to do. And then the employers are like, how dare you do the job you were hired for? Right. Don't you care about other people? Like, no, no, I don't. I just care about doing my job and not dying from it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's been, I know um, I have a lot of teacher friends and they have been like, asked, you know, to teach other subjects they mm-hmm. aren't normally teaching. And yeah. Um, what do you do um, to practice self-care? I say no a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I try really like there, there's so much of a broader universe around self-care than we typically think about. Like it's very yeah. like the Instagram version is like, skinny white blonde ladies like Mm -hmm. at a spa getting their toenails painted or whatever but self-care also looks like saying no when you want to say no and saying yes when you want to say yes and asking for what you want and Mm -hmm. setting boundaries with other people and with yourself self-care is taking an extra long shower or making the bed even though you don't want to because you know that it's going to make a really big difference in your mood it's yeah. like, sometimes it's eating a whole box of Oreos because that's just what yeah. you really need right there. And sometimes it's making yourself get up and make a sandwich because that's what you need. 
right? So there's so many ways that self-care can show up. Um, and so I try to do all of that stuff, right? Those are boundaries within myself that like, I'm only available to take care of myself. I'm not available mm-hmm. to harm myself. And so I will, I'll, like those kinds of boundaries will help me do the things that I need to do, which includes some of the sort of stereotypical self-care stuff, but also some of the things that like we may not necessarily think about. And one of my favorite, favorite, favorite self-care tools, this is going to sound so ridiculous, but that's okay. I love it anyway. Um, (laughs) It's karaoke. Karaoke is one of my favorite forms of self-care. It's like my, it's my outlet. It's like a huge part of my social life. And my friends put on karaoke every other Friday night in my town. And it's like, that is like my night. Like we plan around that shit and I just get to go to karaoke and I get there when it starts and I like close the place down and I sing my face off and I dance when other people are singing. And it is like critical to my mental health to be able to do that on a regular basis. And I really could tell, and this is a clue for you folks, if you're not sure what those critical things are, I really could tell that during COVID I was suffering from Mm -hmm. not having that tool. I felt lonely and I felt like Uh, like the color had gone out of the world in a lot of ways. And I just didn't feel like myself and I had a longing for it. And when we have those feelings, whatever that thing is that we have the longing for, that is part of what shows us what are the key pieces. So if there's something that's coming up in your mind that you're like, oh God, I, I, I remember the days when I used to blah, blah, blah. And you feel like sad and like you really miss Mm -hmm. it. Like put that shit back on the list. Let's yeah. figure out how to do it now. And that mm-hmm. for me, karaoke was, was a huge one of those. Um, and like, just, just like public dancing, um, sort of like the anti footloose, right. I used to yeah. be a Zumba <laughs> and, um, I really miss that as well. So I'm actually mm-hmm. in the process of getting like recertified and like resuming that you're, you're the first person I publicly told by the way. So oh. surprise announcement, everyone. Um, because I really miss it. And I think about it all the time and it just hasn't been available because it required like, you know, risk-taking that I wasn't Mm -hmm. willing to do. So I made the call that was right for me, but I long for it. And so like, that's another one of those things. That's a key part of my self-care is like, I just need to give myself those kinds of opportunities. Mm -hmm. So I just got back into going to, um, Pilates reformer, um, Mm -hmm. like in November, Um, I used to do it all the time. Um, the, my instructor, she just does it out of her house, um, and it's private or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, you know, COVID I stopped doing it. And, um, I've been doing Pilates mat just at home on my own. And I was like, why don't I do that anymore? You know, like, oh, I feel guilty Mm -hmm. spending money on myself. But then I was like, you know what, let's just do it. So I started doing that again. But I also tell my clients, because I'm also a yoga instructor and in yoga, it's always like not snack yoga because I am a yoga instructor, but it's always like spiritual and enlightening and um, self-care is, you know, meditating. But for me, self-care can be sitting on the couch watching Netflix because I don't do that. And it energizes me. It, I'm able to relax, able to not like think what I have to do or go through my list. And I tell my clients that sometimes, like sometimes people bash like watching TV and like, it's lazy. Um, for me, it's not because I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's like the other thing. And, um, 
I'm surprised this actually hasn't come up in any of my other conversations about this. So I'm glad you said that we, we bash self-care in so many ways and like, okay, we'll take care of yourself, but not like that. Yeah. God. Right. Like it's so Mm -hmm. silly, but like all of these things can be useful tools if they feel useful to you. Like there's nothing Mm -hmm. inherently evil about like watching Netflix and hitting next episode, next episode, next episode. And like for a lot of people, that's really critical. Like anything Mm -hmm. that helps to settle your nervous system, anything that helps you decompress and like reconnect to yourself and create like a break between the things that happen in your day and like who you are as a person, like that is good shit. You should keep doing that. And some days you just gotta like, you know, drink a couple glasses of wine and play animal crossing for two hours. And other days you want to go for a run and other days you want to go like I'm in Colorado. You want to go to the hot springs and like sit in the Mm -hmm. hot water for a while. And like other days you want to clean the bathroom. All of those are legit. None of them are selfish, but we have this like sort of hierarchy of what is appropriate self-care and what is like too much self-care. And we particularly apply that hard to women. And then we criticize them for not doing enough self-care. Yeah. Like we, we can't fucking win. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I want to I invite you to like unshame your self-care, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Like if it works for you, fucking do it. And you yeah. do not need to apologize for it. And you do not need to conform your use of it to other people's expectations or judgment. Yeah. Or that shit in the trash. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Do you have a morning or a nighttime routine? And if so, can you um, tell us about it? Yeah. So my morning routine is the alarm goes off and I go, oh, <laughs> like eight times. Um, and then I will pet my cats and eventually roll out of bed. Sometimes I'll get dressed. Sometimes I won't. So that part of the mm-hmm. routine varies from day to day. Then I inhale some coffee until I feel human. And then I get started with calls, writing, whatever. So, you know, feel free to take notes, folks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not much of a morning person. Like this is something that I know about myself. So I tend to be um, very gentle with myself in the morning because otherwise it doesn't go well for anyone. Um, And some days I feel really, really great. And I'll get up and I'll like write for a couple hours or I'll you know, go for a walk. Um, I live across the street from a yoga studio. So sometimes I'll do like the 10 a.m. class, um, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But it really varies in the mornings. I'm much more of a night person and the evenings are when I tend to have more of like a a like clear routine. So like after the kids go to bed, I make a cup of tea. My husband and I are currently watching um, the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. This is his second time through, but I did not watch it with him the first time. And I am obsessed with it. It is so fucking good. So right now, like we make a, I make a cup of tea and then we watch an episode of Umbrella Academy. And then he wrestles the remote out of my hands because it's like 11 or 1130. And I really want to watch another episode, but I really need to go to sleep. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, go upstairs, you know, do the teeth brushing and all that stuff. And yeah. I have this, um, have a vibration plate. Have you, have you ever used one of those? No, They're, I haven't. It's like, it's like a, it's like a platform that goes up and down on the sides and it vibrates mm-hmm. at like low and high speeds. And it's like good for circulation and muscle stimulation and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And apparently it's really good for um, insomnia. 
and I, okay. I experience a lot of sleep disruption. So I use the, this vibration platform, this vibration plate for a little while while I do my Duolingo and learning Spanish. And oh. then I do the New York times crossword puzzle. And then I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And oh, like, that's, that. that's like my, yeah. my evening routine. And I listen to a guided meditation while I fall asleep and it's amazing. I love it. Oh, I like that. So, um, yeah. Are you up for a little rapid fire? Just a few simple questions. Sure. <laughs> Let's do it. I got my um, coffee. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Well, that was my first one. Coffee or tea? <laughs> both actually. I'm both too. Yeah. Yeah. I go back and forth. We got an espresso machine. So I'm drinking like more coffee than I used to Mm because it's easy. I used to work in a coffee shop, but I make terrible drip coffee. Um, but I, I kind of alternate, like I might have a cup of coffee to start and then I'll switch to tea for the rest of the day. Sometimes I'll do only coffee. Sometimes I'll do only tea, but, um, exclusively herbal teas at night. Yeah. That that's what I do too. And I got my kids on, um, like chamomile at night too. Mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah, um, what's on your nightstand? Um, I have a CPAP machine on my nightstand because I have severe obstructive sleep apnea, which I've had for like a dozen years or more, but I didn't know until Mm -hmm. I moved to altitude. I live at 10,200 feet in Leadville, Colorado. It's America's highest Mm -hmm. city. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know that I had sleep apnea until the oxygen was, you know, so low that my body couldn't compensate anymore. So most of my nightstand is a CPAP. And then I have a reading light, um, my phone, which you're really not supposed to do, but I don't care. Yeah, I'm I doing know. it anyway. <laughs> it's like my yeah. alarm and you know, everything. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and then like probably four mugs of half drunk chamomile tea from the night before. And then I keep forgetting to take them downstairs. Um, and I also have a journal, but I very infrequently write in it in my bed. I almost only do that. Almost always only do that in my office. So it's kind yeah. of just their decoration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what, I think you just mentioned this, but, um, what, uh, TV show are you watching right now or movie or that you um, really like? So- well, I have a couple answers. So we are watching um, Umbrella Academy and I am obsessed with it. We're like two episodes into season two and like, swear to God, you guys, if you, if you are not watching this, like drop everything, subscribe to Netflix and watch it. It is so good. Um, so that's like the thing that my husband and I are watching together. Mm-hmm. I'm also um, intermittently working my way through season three of Emily in Paris, um, oh. which I love. It's so fluffy and it is just delightful. Um, and I just finished Life and Beth on Hulu with um, Amy okay. Schumer. It was great. Oh, really I good. I that. like, I found it by accident and I love mm-hmm. it. It's only like 10 episodes, but it's fantastic. Um, and then we, we do like movie night with our kids. We have 11 year old mm-hmm. twins, a boy and a girl. And right now we are just finishing up. Well, I guess we're like halfway through the Indiana Jones movies. We okay. have about half an hour left of the last crusade. And then we're going to do kingdom of the crystal skull or skull or skulls. I don't know, but either way, this is a very unpopular opinion. That's my favorite Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Everyone else thinks it's the worst one. I think it's the best one. Um, so we're working through that. And like in the past, we have gone through the Marvel movies in like Marvel mm-hmm. chronological order um, several times. Like the, we do a Harry, Harry Potter marathon every year. So we try to like do um, you know, like movie series as a family. Yeah. We started doing that too. Like, um, 
with COVID, we started doing the Spider-Man movies. We we did it backwards too. We did like the newer ones and then we Mm -hmm. showed them the older ones. Um, And then we started showing them movies from the 80s and 90s when we were younger. Um, But then like we would start watching, we're like, oh, this is not appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, there have been a couple (laughs) that like did not age well. Yeah. Um, and oh my God, we, we watched, um, this is doubtfire a couple months mm-hmm. ago. And I, one of my kids is trans and I was like horrified by yeah. some of, like the really transphobic content in mm-hmm. that movie that like, I, I haven't seen it in like 20 years. And like, I was not present to it at that time because that was like a much broader part of like the cultural narrative. And yeah. I was like, oh my, oh my God. Like, I was like, should we turn this off? Like, I don't know what's happening here. Cause it's, it's been really interesting to see how, how some of that stuff has, has I know. shifted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we, what were we watching? It was recently. It was, I don't remember, but it was something else like that. Like stuff they were saying, I was like, this is not okay <laughs> like yeah 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 we we even had that we were um we we just finished this is another show so good <laughs> Wednesday on Netflix oh that we watched um, that my youngest oh my god I love yeah. this mm-hmm. so we watched that and my kids had never really been exposed to the Adams family before but they saw like the previews of the show and they wanted to watch it and I was mm-hmm. like Fuck, yeah it's supposed to be really good um yeah. so then we went and we we watched the Adams family movies and there were definitely several things in those movies that also did not age well and mm-hmm. I was like oh shit like there it was I forget exactly what it was it was something in the one where they're they get sent to summer camp and I I had to like pause it and be like okay guys I just want to be really clear like people don't talk like this don't talk like that like that's not okay here's why mm-hmm. like okay and then let's get back to the movie I don't I don't remember exactly what it was but I was like oh god like we have to address this right now yeah they, they don't know yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Um, and then my last question, um, well, it's kind of a two part first, are you reading a a book right now? Anything or Um, audible listening to something? (laughs) Yeah, I, I typically have five or six books going at a time. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I just finished because I was, I was really sick over the holidays and I had just finished listening to Educated, which was um, like the thing that kind of got me through my sickness, but I kept falling asleep. So I think I probably listened to it like five or six times mm-hmm. before I actually like heard the whole thing. Um, yeah. But I'm also listening to a Brene Brown book and I can't remember which one it is. So I'm actually opening Audible right now because it can't. Oh, I <laughs> thought it was just me, but it's not. Um, oh, that one can... is great. It's really, yeah. I actually have a paper copy and, um, and then I've also been listening to the audiobook. So that that's one that I'm enjoying right now. And then I had not planned to order this, but I ordered slime stuff for my daughter and accidentally <laughs> ordered a book that I had in my Amazon cart. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's called keeping the brain in mind, practical neuroscience for coaches therapists and hypnosis practitioners by Sean Carson and Melissa tears. And I am just getting ready to start this one. I'm actually doing a certification with Melissa right now where we're learning like, uh, neuroplasticity and Mm -hmm. trance and hypnosis and all these different ways to work with the unconscious mind to help people make lasting change faster by like working with their own brains. 
which is something that I constantly do as a coach, but this is like a next level of being able to yeah. get like kind of behind, like under, underneath the surface into the unconscious mind. So I am just starting this book and I'm really excited about it. Those are my, those are my main ones at the moment. Yeah. Do you have a book that you highly recommend and you think everyone should read? I have so many. I think right now my current You could say more than one. (laughs) Well, I definitely think everybody should read Laziness Does Not Exist for sure. And I'll give you Mm -hmm. the links to that. Yeah. But my favorite book that I have ever read, and I've probably read it half a dozen times, is called Encyclopedia of an Ordinary Life. And it's by Amy Krauss Rosenthal. I'll give you the link for this in the show notes. And it is, it's basically a memoir that this woman wrote in the form of short alphabetized vignettes. So she'll have, and I can't like pull it out because I lent it to someone. So like, I don't have Mm -hmm. the physical copy, but like there's one, um, her name is Amy. There's an entry called Amy. And it talks about like her childhood and like, you know, how she grew up and stuff like that. And then there's another one that's called death. And it's like five lines and it's like an observation she had in a coffee shop. And it just, it goes through the whole alphabet, all these little stories, all these little observations. And it is like, it's just brilliant. It's one of my favorite things I've ever read in my life. I recommend it to everyone. And it's, memoir is like my favorite um, genre of writing. Mm -hmm. Like people's personal stories are just so powerful. And like, I learned so much about myself by learning about other people. And this one is like, the best one I've ever read. Encyclopedia oh. of an Ordinary Life. So good. Thank you for sharing those. I'm always looking for new books. <coughs> um, where can everyone find you? So the best places <laughs> to find me are going to be on my website, which is kristenking.com. It's K-R-I-S-T-E-N king.com. Um, and then I am in terms of social media, I am most active on my personal Facebook page and on Instagram. My personal Facebook page is Kristen with an E, Scove, S-K-O-V-E King. I'm the only one on Facebook, so it's very easy to find. <laughs> and uh, I'll give you the link to that in the show notes too. And if you want to get in touch, I would suggest that you do it sooner than later because the next round of my group program, 100 Days to Fewer Fucks, is starting on February 8th and registration is happening right now. So if you want to learn how to get your fucks back and how to have boundaries and how to do the self-care and like what all of these things look like in real life, like hit me up because that is exactly what we do in this hundred day program. That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out to come on today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you.